What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We start today by continuing our Oakland election outcome coverage. Two new progressives will take their city council seats come January. Today, we are joined by the city council elect for District 4, Janani Ramachandran, a public interest attorney, activist, and artist, and the council member elect for Oakland's District 4. She will be replacing outgoing council member Shang Tao, who was just elected as Oakland's mayor. Good morning, Janani. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. So my listeners know that I always like to start with the human side because we're people first. Um, And I want folks to know a little bit uh, more about you. Talk to us about where you grew up, what your family life was like, and your early activism. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Kat. Um, I'm really excited to be elected and be in the seat and happy to share a little bit about uh, my background in this uh, work. So... Um, I was born in Fremont, uh, a little outside of Oakland. Um, I spent most of my childhood there. Um, I did my undergrad uh, down in the South Bay at Stanford, uh, worked in direct community services for a few years, doing home visiting services primarily for pregnant mothers um, and domestic violence survivors. Uh, found my way to law school um, in order to continue that journey of public service in some way or the other, and then the pandemic hit. Um, I had just graduated law school. I grew incredibly frustrated with many of our systems, with many of our elected officials, and what felt like a lot of false promises. Um, 2020 was an important year for a lot of people, a lot of movements, and it was inspiring to me to see a lot of left field candidates um, in California and across the country start to make waves um, and really change the course of who gets to be an elected official and redefine what electoral politics could look like. Johnny, District 4 uh, is an interesting district for a progressive to represent, uh, despite the Black Lives Matter signs that hang in many of the windows. I've walked that area quite extensively. Um, It's very white. It's very wealthy um, and can, I mean, not always, but can break pretty conservative. How are you going to balance that with your progressive values? District 4 is interesting. It is for sure, definitely since the redistricting process happened, the most um, moderate district in Oakland. Um, it combined a lot of the hills from what was previously in District 1 um, and on top of what was already in District 4, Montclair, Piedmont Pines, Hiller Highlands, Upper Rockridge. To me, I see a shift in voters. Firstly, the demographics of voters are changing. And secondly, the pandemic was a wake-up call. A lot of District 4 might not put themselves in the progressive category, might not use the labels and rhetoric that, um, that I might in other spaces, but the feeling is the same. The need to disrupt the status quo, the need to have a change in ideas, because what we have right now isn't quite working. And to me, um, my campaign was really based on direct voter communication. Um, I knocked on about 10,000 doors and I had a lot of my own biases challenge when I was at people's doors, when I would show up at what felt like a 
$4 million house, um, a traditionally white, conservative-looking man, for, um, uh, for better words, a lot of them said, talked very deeply about the need to totally reimagine the criminal justice system or public safety or um, the impact of money in politics. And that frustration rang through in every corner of the district, from the hills to the small part of District 4 that is still the flats. Is that something interesting in your answer, Janine, uh, put themselves in the progressive category? Progressive is a word at, at this point that has been seriously co-opted by liberals, um, which is not the same, as I know you know, as being a progressive. What does that word mean to you, both in, I guess, um, word and deed, in action? What does that look like to be a progressive politician? The roots of the word progressive quite literally is to move ideas forward, to be someone that thinks beyond the current ideas and the current way of thinking. So a couple of months ago, I was in a sandwich shop in Montclair and the owner who uh, lives in the area, who'd owned that shop for a couple of decades, asked me, I've heard about you. Are you a progressive? That's what people tell me. I say, well, are you happy with the current administration? Are you happy how the way things have been going for the past eight years? Um, to me, a progressive is shifting what's there right now and moving forward in a totally new direction. And he agreed. All right, Janine, I'm going to do with you the same thing that I did with Mayor-elect Sheng Tao yesterday. We reached out to community and asked them for questions for you. I have copied and pasted them exactly as they came to me. Um, and so I'm going to read them to you exactly as they came to me. Um, this is also a way that I prevent uh, angry emails saying that I, I did softball interviews with elected well. officials. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to start with... Um, Oh, sorry, I'll start with this one. Uh, what elements of Mayor-elect Shang Tao's campaign platforms are you most aligned with and look forward to collaborating on? I am pretty aligned with the majority of her platform. And this, as both of you mentioned on your show yesterday, this is a historic opportunity to have a council and a mayor's office that are aligned that do share many of the same values. And three of the things that um, Mayor-elect Tao and I share is certainly a commitment to uh, tenant protections and affordable housing, um, a commitment to public safety defined broadly, and I'm sure you're going to ask me more questions on that, um, as, well as, a <laughs> as well as a commitment to um, equitable economic development and bringing back positive culture to the city. Well, I was going to get to those last, but since, since you opened the door, let's go ahead and walk through it. Um, one of the questions that came in, Janani, uh, says, um, are you committed to reducing the police by police budget by 50% like the mission on the legislative record of the reimagining public safety task force states? That is not something I know when realistically I would be able to do. Um, my vision for public safety long-term does involve um, 
less reliance on traditional policing models, absolutely. But in the same way that over the past year, I was repeatedly asked the question, what's the number of cops we need to keep us safe? I refused to answer that question because I thought it was incredibly premature. And most of this is coming from people in District 4 who want to see an increased number of police. Instead of talking about a specific number of cops or a specific percentage of reducing our budget, um, I want to, I'm focused on immediate goals. How by the end of this year can we get to, can we work towards the staffing levels that's already been budgeted by council? How can we make sure that macro is fully staffed and supported? And after getting there, then we can reevaluate. At that point, do we need fewer officers? Might we need more officers in certain categories? Do we need more investment in macro? Can macro expand? So um, I'm not quite ready to answer that question specifically. Okay, I've got a comment and a question. I'm going to push you a little bit there. The 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 comment. One of one of the things I, I'll, I'll say, Strap, that frustrates me about electeds, uh, regardless of their ideology, is it seems that decision making um, is not data driven. There are mountains, literally mountains, of evidence, reports, research, and not from like rad- what they call my organization, radical lefties, um, but from Stanford, Princeton, Brown, I mean, go down the list, Harvard, um, that, that demonstrate more cops do not mean less crime. Those are just facts. That's not anybody's opinion. That's based on us uh, years of, of culling data. And so I'm, I'm wondering in your administration, what is your commitment to being data driven as opposed to opinion driven? Absolutely. Um, Data is something that we've not seen guide policy as exactly as you said in a variety of issues, public safety, homelessness, a um, whole bunch of other things. To me, my primary focus in the first year and my first term is rebuilding community trust. I believe that a large portion of District 4 residents agree that cops alone are not going to reduce crime. However, as extraordinarily flawed as it is, it is the system that we have right now for intervention. Cops are not intended for crime prevention. They never, um, that's not a role they serve. So I, I'm glad you said that because I was going to push. What, so what do you mean by intervention? Because they don't intervene. They respond. If, if the cops are involved, the incident has already happened. And then the second thing that I would say is that the people in District 4 aren't getting their butts kicked, profiled, and incarcerated by law enforcement. So what they're asking for, they're not going to feel the consequences of. Um, No. What a lot of District 4 residents are asking for are beat cops in commercial districts is, but what I'm, but the piece of that conversation that I'm interested in when I mean intervention, which you're right to characterize as really response, is 911 response. When someone calls 911, I personally don't believe it should take four or five hours for someone to arrive. Now, what I would like to get to is a point where does it have to be an officer who arrives to the scene when responding to 911 calls? And getting to that place where someone, whether they live in District 4, 5, 7, 1, getting to the place where someone 
doesn't believe that and it's an officer that has to be responding to them, but someone from City Hall um, is going to be a trust-building exercise, which is why I'm not interested in dramatically reducing police budgets um, in order to build that trust. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but to me, it is a gradual process. It doesn't, and I'm glad because that was the second question I was going to push you on. Um, the the things that you're talking about, the things that APTP has been put putting forth for you know 13 years at this point, um, they they do cost money, and the only place that money exists is inside of the police budget. So if you're not going to reduce the police budget or you're not committed to reducing the police budget, and by that I mean redirecting those dollars to prevention services, where's the money coming from? money is the money that's currently allocated let me rephrase this i think we can do a better job of using the existing funds that's directed to opd i'm not interested in increasing the police budget or immediately decreasing the police budget although that is a long-term goal of mine absolutely it's about efficient spending why do we have 30 million dollars of overtime every year and what else could that be going towards um, what are some of the tasks that OPD officers are doing now that make no sense that could be done not only cheaply and more efficiently by civilians, but also um, more effectively? So to me, it's not about more or less. It's with the existing dollars that we have budgeted, if it stays roughly the same over the next budget cycle, how can we be smarter on utilizing those resources? Yeah, and I'll just point out for my listeners that the Oakland Police Department spends less than 10% of its time on serious violent crime. And there is a report out there by APT, APTP that shows that they redirected uh, police towards focusing on that and not things like towing cars and chasing dogs. You'd have 62 officers immediately available uh, for addressing the most serious violence in our community. Jenny, um one more, one one more hot seat question, and then and then I'll I'll ease off you a bit. Um, this comes from uh, a listener that says you seemingly became more pro police during the campaign. What shifted for you? Nothing shifted as far as my views on Oakland's police budget. It was not something that I was ever asked on when I ran for office last year. What I did focus on in my previous election was police accountability and um, alternatives to policing. I have always been a strong believer in alternatives to policing, uh, primarily because my background is entirely domestic violence work. The majority of domestic violence survivors are not served by law enforcement in any kind of impactful way, so we do need alternatives. Um, a lot of my views on policing have also been guided by the need for accountability. All of us know the history of um, racism and the OPT and brutality in OPD and in police departments nationwide. And accountability is something that I've always stood up for strongly. So because I believe strongly in the need for alternatives to policing because of my personal and professional background, and also in the need for very clear, strong accountability measures, um, a lot of people did put me in the bucket of defund, which was not necessarily true. I do believe that we can hold dif distinct beliefs and not quite be put into a box uh, long term. I do align with what many members of the defund movement want, which is 
to stop over-reliance on law enforcement in the way that it is right now. That's all it means. I mean, I, I don't understand that this bucket. All it means is stop over-reliance on policing and take some of the money from their bloated budgets and put it into things that stop crime in the first place. That, to me, seems like a pretty logical response to what we're seeing. Because what we're seeing right now is a, full, is, is, is a fully funded police department and rampant violent crime in our city. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I will make very clear about District 4 residents who are not a monolith for sure, the loudest individuals that are online are the ones who talk about needing 1,000, 1,200 plus officers on the streets. But the majority of residents do believe there needs to be some amount of increased staffing from the level that there is now, but absolutely believe that that alone is not going to stop crime, that we need to invest in holistic violence prevention, that we need to invest in housing, jobs, economic opportunities, address environmental racism, address the whole infrastructure of reasons why someone is led to have to commit crime in the first place. And that's why, in my opinion, I was able to get close to 69% of the vote because the majority of residents in this district do believe in the need for something different. All right, Janani, um, last last thing, and it's a shameless plug, but also I think an easy question for you. I'm, I'm sure you saw that the Anti-Police Terror Project has released a report on how to respond to interpersonal violence without law enforcement, um, and, and we'll be building that model as a second phase of Mental Health First. Is that something that you would be supportive of? I'd be deeply supportive of that. Um, like I mentioned, a huge part of my life about 10 years, about a third of my life was dedicated to working with survivors in both my personal and professional capacity. And to me, domestic violence, interpartner violence is the unrecognized uh, public health crisis. Long before Stop Asian Hate, for example, was talked about and deeply politicized by the wrong counts, um, Asian hate to me was always based on, on a very personal level, gender-based violence. And I want to make sure that policymakers are talking openly openly about it and being nuanced in the kinds of solutions that we need, both in terms of state responses, but more than that, community responses, knowing your neighbors, having safety plans, having neighborhood dispute resolution systems. Um, I practiced family law for, for a while. The family court system is entirely broken. So any steps as community members that we can take to prevent someone from having to enter a truly violent um, system that is the family court system is something that I want to help strive towards. One thing that we have in Oakland and can continue to build upon and is a priority for me in this district um, is revisiting the 1996 uh, community policing model. Um, In District 4, actually four out of five of the NCPCs, the Neighborhood Crime Prevention Councils, have actually renamed themselves to neighborhood councils. Many of them no longer invite police officers to um, present crime statistics, but instead look at the crime statistics on their own as a community. And to me, I see at the local level a lot of redefinition of how individuals are trying to keep their community safe 
rely on each other. And that's a framework I think we can use to start to address the deeper issues, including domestic violence. That is a good and positive note to end on, Janani. Thank you for joining us this morning and congratulations on your win. Thank you so much, Kat. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fortnite 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.